The Ash Wednesday Valentine's Day mashup headed our way this week has has produced some excellent memes. Picture those chalky little candy hearts with Valentine's messages on them, like, be mine. Well, the the United Methodist Church has been sending around a picture of a candy heart that says, remember, you are dust. (laughs) With just a U and an R for those middle words. Along with the cheeky tagline, you can't spell Valentine without Lent. Now, another church posted candy hearts on social media that say things like, dust to dust, Uh, repent, you are mortal, you get the idea. And of course, the Super Bowl has added some good stuff to the mix, too. There's a photo going around, maybe you've seen it, of Taylor Swift whispering into Travis Kelsey's ear. And although it's completely absurd to add a religious caption to that, somebody did, and it's glorious. Taylor's secret message reads, Lent is not a diet. (laughs) Which, surprisingly helpful reminder as we go into Lent. Now, fortunately, the church has a lot more substance to offer us today. And in in order to prepare for Lent, we are given the story of the transfiguration of Jesus each year on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. I've always thought of it as a fitting end to the season of Epiphany, when the light of Christ is made known to the world, and plus, it feels like a gift to hear about divine light before the gloomy days of Lent ahead. In the story, Jesus is literally radiating with light up on a mountain, transfigured right in front of Peter, James, and John. The great prophets Moses and Elijah are there too, and the voice of God thunders, affirming Jesus as God's beloved Son. The scene is filled with more light and wonder than Peter, or the gospel writers for that matter, could put into words. This is the year that we hear Mark's version of the story, and there is always more to Mark than what first meets the eye. The Transfiguration text is no exception. Scholars tell us that in order to really unlock Mark's version, you have to consider it with the two stories that come right before it in the previous chapter. And those two events shed significant light on the mountaintop miracle. First, a curious story of Jesus healing a blind man. He put saliva on his hands and touched the man's eyes, and he asked the man if he could see. And the man said, I can see people, but they look like trees, walking. There was improvement, but the miracle had not quite worked. So Jesus did it again, and this man's sight was restored Scholars believe that this story and the issue of seeing clearly are crucial to understanding everything that happens from then on in Mark's gospel. Next, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do people say that I am? They answered him, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Peter famously answered, You are the Messiah. Peter got the right answer. 
because he was beginning to see Jesus for who he was. However, he could not yet see what kind of Messiah Jesus was. So Jesus began to teach the disciples just how different his Messiahship was than what they were expecting. He told them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, that he would be killed and after three days rise again. Deeply distressed by this teaching and the looming cross, Peter began to rebuke him. Jesus then rebuked Peter with the difficult words, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Like the blind man before him, Peter was beginning to see the truth, but could not yet see the whole truth. It's six days after that rebuke that we find Peter, James, and John on the mountain with Jesus, transfigured. All that talk of suffering, death, and resurrection hadn't made sense to them, and yet here they were, glimpsing a holy radiance which prefigured the resurrection itself. They found themselves headed into a Lent with Jesus they could hardly imagine, and like the blind man with partially restored sight, they also found themselves with just enough sight to see a bit of Easter, even if not clearly yet. As we head into Lent and then on to Easter this year, I think we find ourselves in good company with those disciples on the mountain. They could only glimpse where they were headed and what it all meant. Their mountaintop experience was one moment in a longer, more complicated transformation story, the end of which they couldn't really see yet. The transfiguration was a spectacular and holy moment within a longer season of change and growth. Jesus was shifting his ministry from Galilee to Jerusalem and his baptism to his passion and resurrection. The disciples were leaving their old lives and into new ones with Jesus, struggling to understand what was happening. And every time they figured something out, Jesus was on the move again, calling them further into the uncharted territory of discipleship. I think that's partly why they didn't speak of the miracle once they came down from the mountain. How do you put into words your own transformation while you're still in it? Perhaps you know what that's like. It's a comfort to me to know that the people closest to Jesus were works in progress, just like we are. We do our best to follow Jesus, even as we struggle to understand what kind of Messiah he really is. And in the midst of our lack of clear sight or full understanding, the transfiguration shines again, promising us that Easter is on its way. In a moment, we will baptize Susanna and Violet. Like all babies, their faces shine with what can only be the same light that Jesus dazzled with on the mountain. Through holy baptism, we will welcome them into the Christian journey that we share and promise to teach them the good news of their salvation and about the love that God has for them. Along the way, I trust that they will have their own mountaintop experiences 
when the joy of Easter shines brightly. There will be other times when they will not be able to see things as clearly. They, like the disciples and like us, will be works in progress. In those times, Jesus will continue to draw them in, teach them about the way of the cross, and show them glimpses of the bigger picture. I think it seems especially fitting that we welcome these children into the church this week. I think they are lucky that their very first Lent will begin with a Valentine's Day mashup. Over the years, I hope that mashup will teach them well and remind us all that the way of cross is the way of love. Amen.